Where's the kind of football that the NFL used to be? Where's my smash mouth wide open football? It's gone. Of course, we had no coaches, no players, no teams, no team names, no stadiums, and no TV deal. But we announced. Some suggest that the NFL stands for the No Fun League. The XFL is going to be the Extra Fun League. going well you know it's uh it's going okay all things just okay let's uh let's put it this way this time yesterday things were going better than they're going right now what was yesterday all about well it wasn't a tradition unlike any other Oh, what is this? Uh, what is this T-shirt you you have on here? Yeah, I don't know. Can you read what that says? Uh, I see Pinehurst and something about an email insider. <laughs> email insider summit. That's the nerdiest thing I've heard in a while. <laughs> don't don't focus so much on the second part of that shirt as the first okay. part of the shirt. The part that says Pinehurst on it. Pinehurst. So yes. you you got in a round at the Hurst. Got in two rounds at the the village of Pinehurst. The village, as us locals call it. Uh, obviously, yes, I uh, I got to spend the earlier part of the week at the Pinehurst Golf Resort, home of nine golf courses in Pinehurst, North Carolina. The most famous of those nine being Pinehurst Number Two. You always got to watch out for Number Two. True. True. Home of several U.S. Opens. Home of the last win in Payne Stewart's career. Oh, wow. As we know, four months after that, he went on to much bigger and better things. But his last win on the PGA Tour was right there. And there is a Payne Stewart bronze statue when you walk off the green on number 18. I can report to you. Is that right? Yes, that that does exist. What kind of pants was he wearing? Let's put it this way. He wasn't wearing the Jason Day jeggings, if that's what you're asking. Okay. He's wearing short pants? He was wearing, He might have been wearing short pants. Okay. That's probably the best. But let me tell you something. As a man who, before injuries, was a bit of a golfer. Slightly. Yeah, slightly. Not much of one. But has, has been around the course before. I can confirm that there is another level of golf out there that um, basically makes everything that we do around here seem quite pedestrian. Yeah, with the greens pretty fast. Yeah, are you familiar with the stimp meter? Um, no, I don't think I am. I don't want to pretend. Okay, well, it's, it's actually just a classification for how fast greens roll. That was kind of my guess, but I didn't want to feel stupid if well, I was way off. For those um, those listeners that are familiar with it, we were told by the starter that they were rolling about a 12.5 on the stimp, which I'll save you the time from looking it up, is very fast. And uh, it was very it was very funny when you when you tee off. Uh, so we played Pinehurst number 2, the most famous course on, uh, on Monday. 
when you tee off, they, it's a, there's a little more pageantry, I guess, than like a teeing off at a normal course. You get escorted to the tee box. A guy gives you a brief history of the course. He goes over the rules of the course. And then his last you know bit of advice, which I'm sure he gives every tourist that comes through there, is you know the green's rolling really fast. He tells you what they're rolling. And then he says, you know what, what I would advise you to do when you make a putt is look at it from both directions and then play it to break twice as much as you see and hit it twice as slowly as you think you need to hit it. Wow. And uh, I, of course, said, well, that guy clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. And promptly put, made my first putt on number one, clean off the green. Oh, very nice. Yeah. And let me tell you something else, too. The greens here are all uh, highly elevated. So when you putt off the green, it's not like it's sitting on the fringe. It's rolling down a hill, typically. I've never experienced anything like that, but it did. And I watch a lot more golf on TV than you do, but it made real what you hear golf commentators say when they talk about a pin not being accessible. And I always okay. think like, well, what does that mean? At Cheryl Park, all the pins are accessible. <laughs> well, no, they, they have pins placed in such a way on Pinehurst number two, given the slope of the green, that if you were to hit a perfect wedge shot with backspin that landed right next to the pin, you'd be 40 yards off the green by the time the ball came to rest. Wow. Now, as somebody who can't place a shot anyways, this presented quite the challenge. Yeah, this would be beyond frustrating for me, Yeah, especially right now. No, and I mean, there was, there was holes. So there was a, there was a long par three uh, early in the round where I hit what I would consider a great tee shot right at the flag. There's a divot probably, you know, 10 to 12 feet from the flag. By the time we get there, my ball's laying, rolled all the way off the false front, laying under there. Then I pitch up. My pitch hits about where my original tee shot did, rolls back down, pitch up again, rolls back down. It, wow. it was just a day like that. So is this, you're all on your own, or is this like a scramble type format? What did we end up shooting is what I'm getting at. Well, let me get at this. There's two things Uh-oh. that I did there that I set out to do, and I achieved them both. I broke 100, and I didn't lose a ball. I played the same ball from number one wow. to number 18. And I shot a 93. And that 93 included one birdie on the third hole. It's pretty solid. And I I couldn't have been more pleased. I made a couple of shots out of the famous pine straw. Which, by the way, very easy to find your ball when it's laying on the pine straw. Probably a contributing factor to me not losing a ball. Is is water not not a big factor on this course? There is actually no water on pine number two. Now, there's pine trees, there's narrow fairways, there's all kinds of trouble. There's what they call, uh, they actually don't have any proper bunkers um, on the course. So every bunker is played um, as kind of a waste area was what they call, which means you can ground your club, you can take practice swings, you can remove loose impediments. And there, there are more shots you take out of the sand and or waste area than you could even fathom. Every green okay. has sand all around it. Every fairway, every place you would conceive about landing your ball, there's some kind of hazard. I mean, it, it, it's ratcheted up to a level I've never experienced. And then the and next they, day we played Pinehurst I, number eight, and it was just as difficult with water. 
I assume they, they frown upon hitting in the bunker and being like, you know, I don't really practice these shots. I'll go ahead and just pull this out of here and put it behind the bunker and just chip over it. No, it's but I'll no tell go. you what, I'll tell you what, what I was really worried about that was about to get us into a sticky situation. Cause we were advised Sunday night before we teed off Monday morning that you could not proceed on Pinehurst number two, unless you were in the company of a caddy. Okay. So have you ever played with a caddy? No. So we were told that you had to have a caddy on Pinehurst number two, and then the panic set in of, well, how much do you tip a caddy at the end of a round? Because we have no idea, especially at a place like that. Yeah. So would you like, wow. to, would you like to hazard a guess as what the appropriate tip for a caddy would be on Pinehurst number two? What's the, I mean, what's the green fee for a place like that? So the green fee for that round of golf, $495. Good God. Um, and, the, wow. and that's, so, so let me uh, give you a little established parameters. It's a $495 round. The caddy fee is $45 if the caddy rides on the back of your cart. It's $80 if the caddy carries your bag. And then you got to tip him. And then you are expected to provide a gratuity on top of the $45 or $80. I feel like that tip is going to need to have three digits. I think you just hand them a hundred spot. Yeah. So what we were told is the common tip is between seventy five and a hundred dollars. So you nailed it. But as as uh, as things would work out because of the way the tee times were booked, as you see on my shirt here, they had blocked um, a whole series of afternoon tee times for conference attendees, and this was a very sales driven event. Yeah. So you're teeing off with people trying to sell you things. And uh, the club had agreed not to uh, mandate the caddy for this. So it was an optional caddy, and we opted not to take the caddy, which in hindsight, I kind of wish we would have done it for the experience. At the time, I was so terrified that I was going to be swinging and missing and just beating this guy down. You know, you can't, it's hard to put into context the intimidation factor being out there. I mean, one, it's a U.S. Open course. Right. And then two, you know, here we're just two spares, you know, from. Uh, you know, well, I guess Tennessee now, I was going to say Texas, <laughs> that, you know, regularly shoot in the 80s and 90s, and you, you feel pretty outclassed as soon as you walk there. So I was more than happy to uh, have as few eyeballs as possible on the round. But after things got going and I was comfortable, I, I started to realize, you know, it actually would have been beneficial to have a caddy because there was so much nonsense going on with those greens. Having somebody to kind of give you some advice on what to do probably would have saved a few shots. Yeah, but you also don't know, is it going to be a safe space to make inappropriate jokes and comments and things of that nature? I guess that probably wasn't an issue since you were on a, at an email summit. Well, it's probably pretty uh, funny, correct. Funny you should mention that. So was paired with one of the same guys both days, and, and he was not at the same skill level as me. So he was, he was mightily struggling. But the whole day at Pinehurst number two, we were, uh, we were just in awe of being there. You know, so it was like... We hit a bad shot. Hey, we're at Pinehurst, man. This is great. You know, we're good. Well, the second day we get out there and uh, had had a pretty big night, especially this guy the night before. He'd had a Glenn 311 kind of night. Oh, no. He'd had about uh, six beers, six mixed drinks, and then some shots right before the bar closed. 
and it's hotter the next day and we're out in the sun and he's really struggling on Pinehurst number eight and he lets his tee shot go and on a par three and it goes about 20 yards and the divot he took went about 30 <laughs> and he screams in this serene neighborhood the loudest F-bomb I may on have ever first heard. hole? No, no, this is about number three or four. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, hungover and uh, yeah, the uh, decorum of the serenity of Pinehurst was certainly broken at that moment. Did I ever tell you that uh, on a work trip, I was supposed to get to play at Torrey Pines golf course out in California? No. But uh, this was back in 2011. So it was back when I played golf pretty frequently and wasn't good, but was certainly much better than I am now. Um, but my grandmother died and I had to miss the trip to go to her funeral. So oh. that's the end of my story. I was going to ask you how she was doing. That's. Well, uh, I'm probably doing great <laughs> right now, probably better than what we are. She's not doing a podcast. Talking to, I don't know. Who knows? She's talking to John McCain right now. <laughs> so John McCain's no longer with us? I can't believe McCain. that. I mean, didn't he just, <laughs> nothing, he just retired, didn't he? <laughs> they don't, it's not like a horse. Like when the news anchor retires, they just pull out that curtain and. That's shocking. Right to their head. But what I, what I wanted to tell you, so the majesty of Pinehurst golf aside, do you, do you get to go to many work conferences? Is that something you get to do fairly often? Not anymore. Used to be a bigger player, whether it was internal stuff, you know, at like a corporate office or, or, you know, different companies, vendors or whatever. It used to be more commonplace than it is now. Yeah. It's kind of coming back into vogue for me. I, I hadn't got to do it for many years just due to budget constraints where I was working. And now I'm working somewhere that's a little more free and easy. Hence the fact that I just basically took a luxury vacation on the company dime. Just printing money. Yeah. But that needless to say, so the, the conference scene is always a little bit sketchy to me because I just feel like there's a lot of professional adults that get around free alcohol and make really bad decisions and, you know, decisions that could result in children or <laughs> STDs. And it just makes me uncomfortable in general. Well, one of the keynote speakers, and I think I might've shared this on the last podcast, the keynote speaker on day one was a, a young lady that was uh, in the marketing side of DraftKings. And she gave so her you, speech. You perked up. Right away. Yeah. So she gave her speech, and um, I made it a point afterwards to seek her out and beat her down with questions about Chipotle Addict and <laughs> Unico. <laughs> but it was it was actually it was actually pretty funny because um, I think there was a lot of question marks in the audience about DraftKings. I don't think the uh, awareness level in the marketing world is as high as you'd hope it to be. Right. And uh, so I went over and talked to her, and she was she was she was very pleasant. I think at some point I was starting to beat her down because she made like a real lame excuse to get out of the conversation, like, "Hey, I'm gonna go see if I can get a snack. I'll talk to you later." And then she made it a point to like avoid eye contact with me for the next three days. So I think I might have creeped her out a little bit, which can happen. But one of her questions to me was because I I said you know well, I. I lied. I said, I really enjoyed your speech, even though it was, it was okay. 
but uh, you know, I wanted to start it off well. And then I said, you know, I'm a you know big customer. I play every day. I said, I've got a lot of friends that play. We, and she said, oh, that's that's fantastic. And she said, well, have you ever um, have you ever had any big wins on the site? And I said, well, you know, I I said I had a I had a small win in the MLB a couple of years ago, won a few thousand dollars. And I said, but my friend. Oh yes. And this is where I made a mistake. So oh, I was no. what I was trying to do was take some credit for your win, even though you clearly didn't consult me at all. <laughs> but I said my friend, who I talk about DraftKings and frequently share ideas with, uh, won fifteen thousand dollars on your site. And she so instead of saying, "Wow, that's amazing," she said, "Well, you're not allowed to share information between players. That's a very serious offense." Oh. And I said, well, we're not sharing lineups. We just text each other occasionally and be like, hey, Marcus Simeon possible tonight. Right. But uh, yeah, she she was not going to entertain any type of conversation that perhaps two good buddies could share any type of information on DraftKings. So I quickly dubbed her the wow. no fun police after that. Yeah, well, that's... Uh... We're not inviting her back to the email summit. Well, yeah, and, and some fun facts from email. DraftKings will only send you one email a day that's marketing related. The rest of them will only be contest related. So that's their company huh. policy on not spamming their clients. And they also found that the most productive time to cross-sell you is right after you click submit on an entry. So that little pop-up that shows up that says... Hey, well, yeah. Glenn, you just entered the four-seamer. Why not enter the $166 home run challenge right. tonight? No, that, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so that was my two big takeaways from her speech. So um, at That this and that she may have a restraining order against me now. <laughs> but I did tell her to listen to the podcast. So if you're, if you're listening, DraftKings so lady, like, hi, I'm sorry for everything. 20 minutes in, should we introduce who we are? I said it was episode 121. Is that not enough? Oh, well, I guess you can find the show at where to turn pod on Twitter. You can find me at Glenn three underscore 11 and you can find me at Tommy two underscore zero. And I feel like our podcast now is just the show that completely changes topics and genres every week, but that's what we do. That's what we do. Just reinvent, rebuild, constantly reinventing. Um, I have, I have a story I'd like to share. It involves various racing in the speedway. Ah, yes. So racing friendly show this, this past week, last week we were off, took a little, uh, sabbatical. Actually, we just couldn't get our schedules to work where we could, uh, record last week. But, um, yeah. on a Tuesday night, if you will. I ventured out with the family, including the six-year-old and four-year-old, to Devil's Bowl Speedway in Sunnyvale, Texas, for so their what first they, dirt track experience. What are they doing running on a Tuesday night? That's not a common racing night, is it? Well, the national tour of the American Sprint Car Series was in town. Well, do you know where they were before they headed to the Devil's Bowl? Uh, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee, and the great, really? the great Donnie Schatz made a last lap pass. Very nice. So we go out to the races, and um, we get there, and they're just, like, practicing. You know, everybody's running practice laps. They're just getting the track ready. 
And you know, my kids never been before. So the first thing we sit down, they're looking at me like, is this a race? Are we watching a race right now? I was like, no, it's really not. We tell you about but, a hot laps kids. Yeah. But like my youngest one, when he first got there and we sit down and the cars are just kind of going around slowly and then they, you know, wave the green and they take off. Like he gets the biggest smile on his face. Like this is amazing. Now, as the night progressed, the show probably started about eight fifteen, eight twenty. We didn't get done till almost midnight. As my as will one, happen at the dirt track. Yeah, my youngest one made it to about nine forty five, and then turned to his mom and said, "Basically, I'm done. I want to go home." And she's like, well, "He's ready to go." And I kind of looked at her, and my oldest one was not ready to go, and neither was the oldest <laughs> oldest one. The who the 46-year-old with the bad knee was not ready to go? No, especially considering uh, kids were free, but it was 25 apiece for adults, and I had dropped another however much at the concession stand to feed. <laughs> On Coors Originals? Yeah, so, you know, I'm whatever. I'm 70-plus bucks in. I'm like, I'm not leaving with just an hour and a half of entertainment without even getting to the main thing you're there for, you right. know? no. That that's when you that's when you have your child lay down on the stands. Well, like, he here, he did for a little while. Here's a nice here's a nice bed for you. Now be quiet because the Kisner family's uh, Kinzer family's <laughs> about to come out here and dominate. So he did it for a little while, but ultimately they went and just kind of sat in the truck and waited as the other two. Uh, set through the rest of the show. So anyway, gets to the a main feature race for the sprint cars. And my oldest is, well, he really enjoyed it, but he's very much like me. Like he can sit and watch an event like that or a movie or something and just sit there, not really say anything, not really express any real emotion. And you're (laughs) like, man, he must be really bored. And then afterwards he's like, that was really good. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) So that's, I mean, he sat there at sometimes I kept having to ask him if he was bored or if he was absolutely ready to leave. I probably would have said, eh, it's only like five more minutes, but <laughs> now he was every time he was like, no, I don't want to leave. I want to watch the whole thing. So that's great. Yeah. So the feature race, it was great. He got to see a car flip, which he was excited about. Uh, we saw another one almost like right in front of us, but the guy saved it two different times. And then that guy was actually winning fell like halfway back in the pack. And then over the last like 15 laps, worked his way all the way to the front. And on the last lap, he cut inside of the guy on turn at turn four down the front straightaway. It was so close where we were sitting. We couldn't even tell who won. It was for Sunnyvale. It was a photo finish. So it was a great first time for him to go. Now that leads to me, leads me to segue into another story. The winner of the feature race was a, na- a guy by the name of Travis Rylett. It's not a name I'm instantly familiar with. You're going to be familiar, if not with the name, with the incident. Let's go back to July of 2010. Gosh, that's like nine years ago. Yeah, almost to the day. Headline, man dies of burns suffered in stunt explosion. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ready? I know what this is going to be. 
A sprint car crew chief, well known to Speedway fans, died this morning of burns received in an explosion during a Saturday night stunt that turned deadly. Tyson Perez, an Australian in his 30s, died the next morning. Um, he was badly burned attempting to barrel ride in a parking lot s- Sunday night by placing four gallons of fuel into a 55 gallon barrel and lighting it on fire. The barrel was supposed to launch across the pavement like a rocket, but instead it blew up. Who would have thought? Yeah. Travis Ryler, which was the guy who won the other night. He was 33 at the time. He was also critically injured in the same accident. and He remained in intensive care at that point. Um, he actually spent months in the hospital, like in the ICU burn oh. unit. Uh, it wasn't expected to ultimately survive, but did. And he's, he's recovered, but from what I understand, and I'll get to this part, but the lower half of his body, it, he suffered like extensive, extensive burns to the lower half of his body. I don't know about much of the upper half his face and arms appear to be just perfect, but I think lower half is not doing, uh, not doing real well. Oh. So Let's see. I just, uh, I mean, I feel like there's a pretty logical follow-up question there. Okay. Hold on. We'll get to that. Okay. But, um, I was just reading this story. So this happens and they interview a guy with a local speedway and his quote after this event or incident is, you know, all of us that do this sprint car racing are half off our rocker anyway, but he's speaking of the guy that died, but being Australian, He's got a bit of a quirky personality on top of that. He's one big loving son of a gun. So basically pretty touchy. He's just, he's just blaming this thing on the fact that he's Australian. Like, Hey, we're a little weird, but that dude's Australian. So obviously he's going to get on a barrel and put fuel in it and light it. I he's mean, a quirky personality. A what can you expect? So anyway, th- this will then segue to my, uh, my weekend. Wait this a minute. I weekend. still have a question about Travis. Oh, okay. Go ahead. The lower half of his body that was burned. Okay. So I need, I need to, this, I think this is going to answer your question. Okay. This will be right, the, well, the line that I want to deliver, but it's not my line. So I'm out at my uh, parents' house this weekend because we, we took the kids also out to TMS to see the IndyCar race. Wow. Which again, racing we- intensive weekend. Um, so do, do you call okay. that a race or an IndyCar parade? That's what I was curious about. Well, here's the deal. If you're ever going out there to see that, it's 240-something laps, I think, to go 400 miles. The first 150 laps are basically just the parade, the single-file parade. And then about the last 50, 60, 70 laps, they actually start racing side-by-side side and trying to pass each other. So if you get, if you've never been out there and you get kind of a cheap ticket, go for the experience. I've been to the IndyCar race with you out there. Okay. Yeah, you have. I'm talking generally, not you. Yeah. Why why would I want to, why would you want to go? Why would you travel from Tennessee to go to an IndyCar race? I wouldn't travel five minutes to go to an IndyCar race, but that's a whole nother story. Well, I just went to take the kids again. The youngest one went, we expected him to leave early anyway. That was kind of the plan. That happened. The rest of us stayed. But How'd he get home? Just took my... an Uber or something? <laughs> he drove yeah. himself. We just let him drive out. 
but we're out at my uh, parents' house and I was talking to my dad about going to see the sprint cars and tell him about it and who won or whatever. And I mentioned that Travis Rylant had won and he goes, well, that division's been looking for somebody with no balls to become a standout. So I guess they got their wish. <laughs> so apparently that answers your question. Oh, the severe burns have, uh, removed oh. Oh. parts of the body. That's a tough one. So Travis may be first in ASCS, but he won't be first in procreation. No, I don't think he's uh, launching anything into the bay anytime, uh, anytime soon. So, so keep a thought out. Was for, there any was there any reference to that when you were at the track, or did you just remember the name from the story? No, I remember the name from the story. My other, I guess, story about that was soon after it happened, me and the wife happened to go out to. I dragged her out to the Devil's Bowl on one Saturday in 2010. And when we got there, like, I didn't know the story already, but when we got there, that guy's sprint car was like on display. If you want to say that, like as you walked in the gate, which usually means either there's a huge name there and here's his car that he drives or something bad has happened. But I didn't know kind of which one it was. Well, it turns out something bad has happened. And I had talked to some people and they told me about this incident. So then later on during intermission, they have all the drivers, not all of them, but several of them walk through the, the stand, the grandstands, they're raising money to help with the hospital bills. So they've got the helmet that you put cash in. Ah, yes. Passing the helmet around. Sure. Yeah. So there's one near a guy, a driver near us and he's passing it around. And my wife is like, what are they raising money for? What is this for? And I told her it's for this guy. He got hurt. Well, how'd he get hurt? And I told her, and she's like, we're not giving any money. <laughs> To that guy. We're oh, not giving no. money to people who ride a fuel barrel. It's like, eh. so people. She, enough, she's against people with any kind of quirky personality. Uh, definitely Australians. That's <laughs> top of the list. But um, that was just an extra order of nachos for me. So I was, uh, I was okay with that. Man, I so so. Well, let's make uh, Travis our honorary uh, listener of the week. Congratulations to him overcoming adversity. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, sorry about the whole balls thing. That's tough. Yeah, you know, really that that uncomplicates sure. things. There's probably a few people that were at a email conference this week that things probably would have gone better without those. So, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you might just be better off without them. So speaking of news, and of course I'm safely here in. Uh, highly affluent suburb of Nashville, but good grief, man. What happened there this week? Was there, was there like a, a lapse in the uh, weather channel's ability to predict what was going to go on? Because my Facebook feed is suddenly littered with pictures of fences laying on the ground. People complaining about food spoilage. Well, when your electricity goes out for several hours, that's, gonna happen so, so were you affected first of all obviously and speaking of is there a GoFundMe? In, there is no GoFundMe. um so on the day of the storm of the century here in dallas i was still out of town we were out at the uh at my parents house and i'm gonna be, be honest with you this past sunday other than about an hour and a half stretch where it actually got real overcast there like it was gonna rain even though it didn't 
from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m., I was in a swimming pool <laughs> the entire time. Wow, just defying something to happen to you. Right. So and we had looked because we were looking to see when we were going to drive back home. I had no idea there was anything major on the horizon, you know, weather-wise. All I saw on my phone was that uh, currently in Dallas, it was just raining. I, I just saw that, and I was like, well, let's just wait until the evening to drive back for the rain to pass so we don't have to drive through it. Okay, sounds good. Man jumps in pool. Five hours later, man leaves house was basically how that all how that all went down. So I missed the storm itself. Like we weren't here. I'm glad we weren't because from what I hear, 70 mile an hour winds and trees were toppled like all through my neighborhood. There was a couple houses with a tree literally uprooted or part of it just split in half and it fell on the house. We had no tree falling. No, the p- pictures did. I saw were unbelievable. So, but that was all. That was not a tornado, though. That was just done by sustained wind. It was deemed a microburst. Uh, I've, had a, a, I've had a few of those. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the <laughs> Travis Rylett specials. We're probably yeah. referring to it now. Yeah, you know, sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I wasn't here for the storm, but we drove back into town that evening and still had no idea about anything. Uh, exit the highway, start driving, you know, north up to our neighborhood from from the highway. And all of a sudden we see there's like trees down on the ground. There's branches just everywhere. The There are, you know, stop signs that are completely toppled. The intersection signs, like some of them are like all twisted and stuff. And I'm like, this is not a storm. This is... Did a tornado like literally come through here? You see telephone telephone poles, electrical poles that were completely downed, not like leaning. I mean, like so on you the just ground. Like completely been off social media or what? I mean, how do you? I mean, even I knew that this was going on as it was happening, and I'm ten hours away. Didn't completely out of off the grid. When you're in the pool, you're off the grid. So yeah, I, I had no idea. And we got back and, uh, our only casualty is, uh, we're going to, it was old anyway, but we're going to need a new fence in the backyard as, uh, one, one panel of fence was, uh, completely toppled. That's a, it is, that's, it is, a, that's not an inexpensive casualty. You talk about it like it is, but fences are not cheap. Well, but it needed to be, it wasn't new fence that was knocked over. It was very old fence that I was trying to get maybe another six months to a year out of before I replaced it because it's just falling apart. Kind of, it is very hastily mended right now. It's put together, but it's kind of, it's kind of leaned and there's just a couple of, couple of nails and hastily cable ties. You know, yeah, pretty much. It's basically like a bread twist tie that's holding on there. Well, I'm, I'm betting the fence companies in town have suddenly become quite busy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to be something sooner rather than later. I think Man, we'll uh, have that let's replaced. Mark, let's mark this right now. This is episode 121, 35 minutes in. I'm going to predict that this does not happen in 2019. Then it'll oh, be wow. 2020 before this fence is replaced. 
Okay. We still don't have a new car, so you might be onto something. Yeah. I mean, we did an episode, a whole episode about you buying a new car and you still don't have a new car. This will not happen well, in 2019. That's a whole, that's a whole separate podcast that maybe that topic can be broached directly with the source of why no car has been purchased. Maybe at some point in the near future. Well, that's right. I f- forgot that's coming up. So, um, yeah. So you know, somebody, somebody we know very well just got their power restored today. Okay, so then I'm glad you mentioned that because I think my advice is um, when this kind of stuff happens, you want to be either A, you want to be living in the general area where I reside and I would say you used to reside. Mm-hmm. Or I think you want to live south of Dallas where KJ resides, right off a golf course. No, you don't want to live down there. I think you do in this situation. I think you'd be all right. No, you don't want to live down there. Anywhere in between out because my, my electricity for, I understand it went out about like two or three o'clock that Sunday afternoon. And we were without any power when we got home. Um, and it got power restored about three in the morning. So we were without power for 12 hours and we were only even here for half of that. So it really wasn't even a big deal. So were you committed to riding it out at home without power? You didn't consider going back to from whence you came or finding a a hotel or someplace that did have electricity? Uh, Hotel was hotel was out. I mean, the kids aren't in school. It was actually like a, a pleasant night. You just opened up the windows. It was like, 68 70 degrees outside like so camping. it wasn't like a 85 degree august evening or anything like that so no the the hotel was not considered if if this had been like a thursday friday or saturday and we didn't know when the power was going to go come back on i didn't have to go to work then yeah we probably would have turned around and and driven back but yeah i had to go to work the next day so that wasn't that and wasn't being assuming considered. the power was on at your place of business. Oh yeah. Now traffic has been finally today. Actually, there's still back and forth in the commute. You'll run across at least like one intersection light that either doesn't work or it's just a flashing red. Still. Yeah. I would figure they would have been able to resolve that quicker. No, and Monday Monday was a disaster. I left to go to work. My commute is maybe like 20 minutes because I live close enough to the office. I was 35 minutes into the commute, and there's no way I was more than a quarter of the way there. And I came across a side road, and I said, F this. I'm going to go home, and I can access most things uh, from home, and I'll just go in like in the middle of the day because I wasn't going to drive for two or two and a half hours. No, that's something that usually takes 20 minutes. That's so so was that a pretty common across the metroplex as far as just people's inability to get to work that next day? So I yeah, didn't, that's an area huge... of the story I didn't see covered as much. Well, I mean, freeways and highways are going to be fine, but if you're taking any type of you're taking any type of back road, it was the intersections didn't work and people do not understand four-way stop signs or, you know, the concept of taking turns. Yes. Or just, you know, if you got three lanes and let's say it's kind of your 
side of the roads time to go. And you didn't quite arrive at the exact same time as those two other cars. You can go ahead and go. Don't like, just let them to go and then kind of sit there and like, Oh, do I go, you know, kind of go back yeah, and forth and the, those situations favor the bold. Yeah. The other thing you run into are the people in that situation that just see someone. If it's not real heavy traffic, they just see someone in front of them go and they just, they're not thinking they're just assuming the two cars in front of them went. So it must be a green light. So they go and then you start to turn out and then here comes this lady just barreling through yeah, the intersection. That's yeah. Riding her horn at you. And then you look out your window and say something that's not very nice to her. And then she's only driving like 25 miles an hour anyway. So it doesn't really matter. But so what did you say? Like a, something that rhymes said, with like a baseball term said, madam, you've made a poor decision and you're going through the, uh, the intersection when you weren't supposed to. And I'm sure the R word was used somewhere <laughs> in there. I would hundred percent guarantee it. Oh my. But yeah, so, so I, I guess, uh, I guess as of today, power has been restored across the Metroplex. Finally. I think so. Honestly, once mine was restored, I <laughs> lost interest. Yeah, I mean, and I uh, I don't really check Facebook, so I, I wasn't getting in on that uh, all those stories. But yeah, I think uh, there, one funny thing as we kind of walked around the neighborhood at like nine nine thirty on Sunday night is in front of not every house, but about every third house, there was just a car sitting there just idling with its lights on, whether somebody was in it or they were just had it running or just had, I guess just had the battery engaged. Charge the um, phone, right? Yeah. Got to charge the phone. Unbelievable. And I honestly didn't think of that. And it got too late where I was like, I'm not gonna go sit in my truck. Cause I gotta go to bed. Um, so like I, I've got an alarm set for the next morning and just had just enough battery. Like that alarm <laughs> goes off and I've got about 4% sitting there. <laughs> But we made it. We we survived. Uh, so much courage. You will eventually that rebuild, but not till twenty twenty. So I win the bet. I got it. Yeah, eventually. So, um, do you want to hear about my XFL tryout? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of segue is this? You try. Well, first of all, I don't know if you aren't you still on the pup list. Uh, I'd say it's somewhat misleading. I went to the XFL tryouts <laughs> that were held in uh, at UTA this it, past Friday. I didn't it, actually get the tryout. They looked at you and they were like, man, you look like you're in pretty good shape. What position? <laughs> you played football before. I'm like, yeah, eighth grade, man. I'm, I'm right there. So yeah. Um, as a season ticket holder, I got an official invite to show up to uh to see what they call the summer showcase, which is basically probably a group of uh eh, trying to think fifty to seventy potential players basically just run through drills and stuff for like an hour hour and a half, which was all right, so was stoops there we'll we'll get to that <laughs> let me assure you, but Bob Stoops was definitely there as was Oliver Luck, who's the president of the XFL and Andrew Luck's dad. Um, so we were there uh, to 
took the family again. Hey, let's go watch some guys play football. They don't tell you what you are turning into quite the family man all of a sudden. What's going on? Are you guys having sudden, behind the, the scenes problems and now you're trying to make up for it by being just overly attentive? Yep, making up too many for lost time. too many nights out and it's just banter and <laughs> now now you're on the leash. Uh yeah. Have it never no, I can't say that. <laughs> we're gonna redact that. I said it in my mind, but we're not saying it on the podcast. I think um, I feel like things would be going better for us in general if we adhered to that more frequently. <laughs> so yeah, so we went to the practice. It was it was okay, but you know, nothing great about it. There there was some formal former NFL players obviously out there. Uh, at least a couple guys that had some time with the Cowboys, um, noted girlfriend, uh, abuser Trayvon Boykin was on the list, but I never actually spotted him former TCU. Great. So yeah, I know. I know who he is in river river walk, uh, enthusiast. Yes. Wasn't, um, if I'm not mistaken, though, wasn't one of the tenants of the league that they were not going to except people with questionable pasts. So have we moved on beyond that nonsense? That gum pal. <laughs> Can a man change his mind? Yeah, I don't think they're... We need things to be raw, pal. I also think that uh, Mr. McMahon has completely handed this over to Oliver Luck to put it together and put the rules together put all the ideas together and implement it. I'm sure, which is smart. I'm sure Vince signs off, but I think he's trusting these folks to put all, put all the infrastructure together. So, um, so we go to the practice. One thing in the, the invite was it had like the itinerary and it was like, here's when it starts. Here's when lunch is provided, meaning lunch is provided to the guests. Now, going into this, I'm like, this is, this is at Maverick stadium at UTA. I mean, it's an outdoor stadium. They used to play like high school games in. So lunch, I'm like, this is going to be like Firefest deli. <laughs> well, <laughs> funny. You mentioned that, uh, this is going to be box lunch. So this is going to be Turkey sandwich, ham sandwich, a bag of chips and a bottle of water, but I'm okay with that. It's they're providing it, right? You're getting football stoops and lunch. Like what more do you need? So we get there. And it gets to the time that lunch is supposed to be available. I'm not expecting them to like bring it to me in my seat, but there wasn't anything out there. I'm like, let's just give it 15 minutes and see what happens. Still nothing out there. I walk up and there is a concession area that's open. And I walk up and I'm like, Hey, uh, yeah. Part of the whole invite was that lunch was provided. And they're like, well, we don't really have lunch. Now you can have anything that you want. That's here. Like that. They're, they're serving and you know, the XFL is paying for it, but it's not really lunch because they have bags of chips. They have bottles of water and they have cotton candy. Ah, and that's it. So lunch provided meal. Yeah. Lunch that's provided is a bag of chips and cotton candy. Basically (laughs) this, this, you know what? Normally Glenn just, he just goes with the flow. But on this day, I was not up for any games like this. So I'm already firing off emails. We fired off some tweets at the XFL. 
I find back behind the uh, grandstand, there's actually a table down there that has all these box lunches on it. So I make a little gander over there. And it turns out those are those are for the players when they're done, which I'm okay with that. They they need to eat. They I'm deserve not to eat. That's what you're saying. Yes, I'm but not. Taking surely they had stuff. three extra or four I, extra. I asked the question, and they're like, uh, "No, sorry, these are for the players." And there's you know the exact number of who's signed up or registered or whatever. That's who we have it for. And I'm like, "Are you sure?" I was like, "Because bag of chips and cotton candy is not." lunch and I brought my kids. So I'm like, I'm not worried about me, but I'm like for, I mean, a six-year-old and a four-year-old, they love to eat cotton candy all the time, (laughs) but that's not what I'm feeding them. I'm not, I'm not making them pre-diabetic, you know, on purpose. So, but they still couldn't help me. They're like, we don't have anything. All they have is what they have in the concession stand. So so we go back, we had our chips and our cotton candy and our drink. (laughs) We, we finished practice and this is like 30, 45 minutes later. And then all of a sudden, this lady that I had talked to, she comes walking down the bleachers and she's getting people, um, whether they want to attend the post-practice Q&A with Oliver Luck and Bob Stoops. And she comes to us. She's like, I just want to see if you guys are interested in, in attending. They're going to have it in a meeting room over basically like in a field house thing right after practice. And uh, you guys can attend if you want to. And I'm like, of course. And she's like, also, <laughs> I, I know you guys, you know, the whole lunch thing, kind of a bad thing, you know, affect the kids, what have you. I've got some free T-shirts for you. <laughs> so we walk over and like we're walking in the door to go in this field house where they're having the meeting and stuff. And like she's kind of looking around like real hush hush. And she's like secretly handing me these t-shirts she's like don't tell anybody that i gave you these because other than other people in there would be like where's my shirt right because nobody there got lunch that no but one family got shirts so i have an xfl t-shirt oh so i was wondering if it was if it was going to be uta merchandise no (laughs) i have an xfl t-shirt it's at least one size too small but But that makes it even better actually (laughs) Actually, I think you're right. I just have to see once I wash it if I can actually even get it on. But um, anyway, so we got that. So this is the best part. So this is when we become close personal friends with Oliver Luck and Bob Stoops in the <laughs> Q&A. So they come in and there's probably like four or five long tables in this room. And I don't know. 40 people in there, maybe some of them were media members. Some of people just there to see the session. So you didn't really set the scene for practice. Was there a lot of people in the stands or was it just you guys and a handful? Um, no, I mean, there was, if I would say there was 40 people in the Q and a, because there was a lot of people there that were like family, friends or whatever, the people trying out. Sure. So I would say, I don't know if there was a hundred people there, but probably something close to that in the entire grandstand to watch a, watch a practice for a league that probably folds in 2021. <laughs> um, so we get to the Q and a session. Oliver Luck gives a speech, you know, thanks for coming out. It was the first one of these they had done. So they're doing um, them in every XFL city. I'm imagining. Yes. And everybody like that you saw of- try out was, was trying out for the, the Texas to the Dallas franchise or were they trying out for the XFL? 
they're trying out. It's just for the league in general. Cause they'll actually have a draft, but they, they're still in the beginning stages that they haven't worked out all those particulars yet. So Oliver Luck still flattened that out in the back of a napkin somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So, so like he explained that they will quote unquote sign a pool of players, but then you're drafted to a team. And he said, they're actually going to sign enough players that they can draft all the teams. And then they'll have like 30, 40, 50 players that are just available. If, and when like a team loses their offensive tackle, that it's like one huge practice squad, but they're available for any team to pick up during the season. But they're working all the, all these particulars. Yeah. He goes through that. About they the went details. through a lot of the, uh, how the the game's going to be played, how they want it to uh, kind of be sped up. The games never last like three hours is the most they're looking at two and a half to three hours max that the games will last. Um, some of the rules regarding scoring and plays and stuff are a little different than what you'd see in the NFL or college, but they're still working all that kind of stuff out too. Uh, then Bob Stoops, he gives a speech and uh we are sitting in the front row of oh, this. Me, and me both and kids. family. Oh yeah. So this is a press conference. So Stoops' career has now come to a given a <laughs> press conference at UTA with four and six year olds in the front row. So Bob Stoops is giving a speech. He's talking about the league. He's talking about how excited he is about it and all that. And I am just, I, I am, I didn't feel like I was. Of course, my wife was making fun of me afterwards. Cause Why? Because like, you're you were pitched a tent in the. <laughs> you're like she's like you were like in awe of looking at Bob Stoops, and I was. I totally admit it. Like he's talking about the league and about excited about coaching and this, that, and the other, and he's standing, uh, you know, six feet from me, and I'm just like, that's Bob Stoops. Like, how am I here? How did this moment happen? <laughs> it's because you're a season ticket holder, man. It comes yeah. with perks. I guess so. Um, was there any so real there, media there? Oh yeah, not a whole lot. But I mean, there was uh, there was an article in the Dallas Morning News the day after about the whole the practice. Was, and then, was Fraley there covering it for Fort Worth Star Telegram? I'm sure he was looking down. But the guy oh. that was there, I can't remember who it was. But I mean, he quoted stuff from the Q and A session. I wouldn't call it a press conference. Cause anybody was allowed to ask questions Uh oh. and now, and now we will get to that. So I wasn't going to, because I wasn't going to ask anything ridiculous. So don't, don't be prepared for that. So no because, wrestling questions, <laughs> no, man, I was this close. So the, so the question I asked, there were several good questions about the league, about the rules, how things would work. Uh, is the draft going to be on TV? Things like that. Um, I ultimately asked a question on celebrations, like on touchdowns and big plays and like, what would be allowed? Is it going to be different? Is there more going to be allowed than what's allowed in the NFL is essentially what I was getting at. And what I asked the question, even though Oliver Luck answered it, I purposely <laughs> looked and asked it to Bob Stoops, even though he was basically looking at me and then he just looked at Oliver. Yeah. Because he's like, well, yeah, why would, why would I, as a coach, answer a question about how the league is going to set up rules? Well, I kind of, you know, you're, you're asking the question. I kind of looked at both you of them. You think of know? one thing to ask that Stoops would answer? No. 
That I'm was my in, question. That's what I'm I came up with. I'm embarrassed for you. But at the end of the question, I made sure to turn <laughs> turn my head where I asked the question to Bob Stoops, even though he didn't answer it. And the answer was, we haven't worked it out, but we're definitely going to have celebrations. They're just going to be family friendly was essentially what he said. It's not going to be, it's not going to be like the first XFL where there's like a stripper, like riding a guy with a bad nickname on the, on the back of his Jersey. So it sounds like, uh, we haven't worked it out is a pretty common refrain coming out of the league management. Well, a lot of proposed rules, just not 100% confirmed and or implemented. Like they're experimenting with, uh, how to do kickoffs, which would be a lot different than, uh, than what you see in the NFL and college football. They're experimenting with a double forward pass, but only if the first forward pass is completed behind the line of scrimmage, if that makes sense. So like, like you're in the shotgun, you know, five, seven yards behind and you throw just an out to a receiver, but he catches it. He's still three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Throw it again. He can, he can throw it, whether he's throwing it downfield back to the quarterback or what have you, he can throw another forward pass just an idea that they're, they're working just, with, you know, know they're, they're working idea. these things out. So now to the best part of the Q and a very professional so far, we're doing well. I've just been smiling at Bob Stoops for well over 45 minutes. Now, Oliver luck is going through. I can't remember what topic it is, but he's talking about something that towards the end, this was within the last like 10 minutes and he's making a point. I got two kids there. They're starting to get a little antsy. Um, and maybe with my younger one, the, the Fritos and the cotton candy have started to affect them a little bit because Oliver Luck is talking about something. He pauses for one second or to make a point, And my younger one rips a fart <laughs> right there in front of God and Bob Stoops himself. <laughs> and the speakers at the Q and a <laughs> ignore it. The two guys that are running like the slideshow are basically laughing like you are right now, just trying to hold it in as much as they can. And I just look over and at first I'm like, Oh my, what are you doing? And then I kind of thinking about it. And I'm like, I think I'm good with this. I think I'm okay with this kind of chaos. <sighs> so yeah. So how did, how did mama, ended. how did mama take all this? She just kind of rolled her eyes and smiled at him and, and told him like, can't do that it's you know this is like being at church or something you know it's a quiet area daddy's paying more attention than he ever has at church oh yeah for sure uh but yeah so that's um my guess was two days later they were doing the same showcase and q a in houston and my guess was there was going to be a stipulation of like no one under 12 years old in there there's no doubt because of my son there's no doubt so, yeah, so we get out there. Uh, technically, I've interacted with Bob Stoops and the president of the XFL. I own an XFL T-shirt, and my kid farted during the first <laughs> summer showcase Q&A. And there was no doubt about it. This wasn't like, oh, the chair moved, or I, you know, I my, you know, your arm drags on like one of those tables or it kind of <laughs> sticks. No, there's, there was no question. The one question that I didn't have the opportunity 
to ask because there wasn't like a break because a lot of people had legitimate questions and they're just like reeling off one after the other. Like one one answer is done. Somebody's got something. They're like, what about this? What about this? Because I was going to ask, so is this is this league going to work completely independently from the WWE or should we expect the un- <laughs> the Undertaker to do the coin flip before any of the games? was going to be my question, but I couldn't, I didn't have a, a, the moment to go ahead and slip <laughs> that in there. I don't think that would have been well received, but that was my other question that I was going to ask. Cause I had to build trust with my celebration question. And then with the next one was going to be the wrestling question. See, but I feel like, I feel like you should have, you should have gone with it because you know, they get it all the time. I'm sure they have an answer for it, but, it, but really show your fandom by going a little more obtuse than the undertaker and say, you know, so hey, are you gonna run uh, Apollo Cruz out there to do the coin flip? <laughs> you think? What do you guys think about the Singh brothers? <laughs> Maybe kind of backflipping out to midfield. Oh, so there you have it. Oh man, noted that, XFL season ticket holder. Me story did not fail to disappoint. Yeah. Wait a minute, I said that yeah. wrong. It. It didn't disappoint. It succeeded in not disappointing. Yeah, um, we're an hour in. It's probably good. Yeah, I think uh, I think I I can't top that. I I, uh, well, I mean save, I know you had at least uh, one yeah. other topic. No, I I'll, uh, I can tease that ahead for next week. But but just uh just to wet your appetite. There's a new guy at work that apparently looks exactly like me, and he's going around causing trouble. Oh, and no. we, will, <laughs> we will visit that topic next week because following, uh, following the Bob Stoops fart story is like coming on and trying to put on a main event with Brock Lesnar after... Uh, I don't know. AJ Styles has burned the house down. Oscar's burned the house down. Right. Elias has burned right. the house down. I, I could go all night here. Just doesn't. It just doesn't work. Is there a chance we'll be three wide next week? Or I don't even know. Looking? I don't even know what he was up to this week. I I uh, I know we haven't acknowledged the fact that uh, the third member of our show hasn't been here, but it was just a text of, "Hey, if you guys can't record Tuesday, I'm out." With no explanation. So, Man. we'll keep him in our prayers. Tough deal. And uh, hopefully that you and Stoops can continue to be real friends. <laughs> oh, we're going to. We're, there's going to be a picture with me and him before the first season is over. So I'm getting special XFL club access for sure. Oh,